Well, I'm going to be starting a series. I'll be preaching, I think, every third Wednesday uh, for a while. I'm going to be starting a series called In the Beginning. In the Beginning. And today is chapter one. And uh, it's called Lucifer and the Dark Flooded Void Earth. So we're going to take uh, kind of a history lesson back to the beginning. So before I start, uh, I do have uh, my sermon notes. If anyone wants to uh, hand these out for me, Mike, thank you, my man. That way you can kind of focus on uh, the sermon, not worry about trying to get every little note. What was that scripture again, right? So, um, so chapter one, Lucifer, the dark, flooded, void earth. So I'm kind of going to start this off um, as a challenge and expose some of the beliefs uh, for that many, many of us have had, these lies that, uh, that need to be exposed once and for all, both uh, lies from the world, but also things that we've kind of been taught in the church that we haven't really seen or haven't heard taught uh, very much in depth about. So I'm excited. Uh, I've been holding on to this probably for the last eight, nine years, uh, just kind of waiting for the Lord to kind of release me to, like, preach on this. So uh, it's going to be good. Uh, I can tell you this much. It's going to be challenging to your faith in which normal doctrine of things that you've heard. So, But I guarantee you I'm a word guy, and so I'm telling you it's in the word, and that's what I'm... Especially a lot of this stuff I'm going to be talking about today is strictly in the Word and only the Word. Uh, there's other things I'm going to be getting more about, science and math and all this stuff and later ones to come. But uh, this topic tonight is definitely all Word-based because, well, scientists don't have a lot to say about, they don't really believe this. So, <laughs> so we're going to get it straight from the Word. I mean, no, the best way to interpret Scripture is with other Scripture. Right, that's the best source. God is the author of all truth, so if we want to understand and unravel the truth, well, let it be established in the Word with two or three or more witnesses in the Word of God. So, um, let's see, what do we got here? Let me ask you this. Who is the ultimate source of truth on the earth? Kind of just answered that, but... God, the Word of God, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But do we really believe that? What if science says otherwise? What if the governments, academia, media, and everyone else tell you something contrary? Who are you going to believe? Not them, right? That's right, Mike. <laughs> Mike's got it. <laughs> Let me see. If I, I'm more of an interactive uh, preacher, teacher. I'm going to, because I like to ask questions, because that's how I get to the answers that I get to. I'm a question guy. Okay, well, if that, then what about this? You know, it's, well, you're, the best way to come to the understanding of something is to ask questions about it. So, so you're probably going to be raising your hand a lot to yes or no questions. So just get that hand loose, right? Just be ready. Who here trusts the government to tell them the truth? <laughs> no. Who here trusts the media to tell them the truth? 
Uh, nope, can't raise my hand to that one either. Who trusts colleges and schools to tell you the truth? No, uh-uh. I mean, oh, we got a lot of lies that have come up recently in our school systems that seem to just propel themselves through in the matter of just a few years. And they're telling us that there's more than two genders. There's more than male and female out there. It only took a few years to spread that lie globally and to be accepted as truth. I mean, to me, that's just completely absurd. Well, if that is preached as truth in schools today, what about what was taught to you? Hmm. How long have these lies been going on? Is it possible that we have been taught lies and untruths? Well, yeah, very, very possible, right? If only in a matter of a few years, the whole world's confused whether there's more than male and female. Well, <laughs> there's been some precursors to this. They started summer. It's been going on for a lot longer than many of us think, so... So I will say this, many of you will probably have a hard time believing God and his word over what the government tells you is true. So I know I sure did, right? Because when you're taught something as a young kid, you just thought you're assumed to believe the teachers and the people over your parents. Why? Because your parents were taught by the same system. They were listening to the same government and the same media, and they just speak what they, what they learned, right? You can't really blame them. It's just... That's what you know what you know at the time. You don't know until you know. <laughs> That's why God is the revealer of things. So, uh, let's see. I like this quote. Uh, this is by Arthur Schopenhauer. It says, All truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Secondly, it is violently opposed. And thirdly, it is accepted as self-evident. I've seen this play out numerous, numerous times in my seeking the truth after my eyes kind of got revealed. Because I was never into politics. I was never into conspiracies. I was never into much outside of the norms of Christianity or politics or all these other things. But something got me down the road of starting to actually question everything. And uh, I find myself wanting to ridicule <laughs> and then strongly oppose, but at the same time, I wanted truth. So eventually, I had to dig in and find the answers for myself to see, to put it on trial. Uh, so the things I'll be bringing up will not be easy to swallow. They are not common or popular teachings, uh, but I don't really care much for what's popular, Right? Uh, I'm not really one that's known for going with the crowd because most times the crowd is going in the wrong direction. Anyone notice that? The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. There's a lot of people on that path. The Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life and godliness. So the crowd is usually easily misguided and lied to that people are just following the people around them while regurgitating the same lies without even questioning whether it's true or not. I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm doing a lot of preemphasis here on really seeking after the truth, right? I don't want to just, we don't want to just regurgitate things that we heard from others. We want to know. So and that's, that's what's great about this word. It's a big book. It's got a lot of answers, a lot 
a lot of areas that the Bible covers. So we get to know a lot about history, especially through, through a Genesis we're going to go through today. Another quote I like is by George Orwell. In a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I mean, when you tell people that uh, aborting a baby is murder, well, that's pretty revolutionary. They want to, <laughs> they almost want to murder you, <laughs> right? They're that opposed to the truth. And Landers said, the naked truth is always better than a, the best dressed lie. So let's not dress up our lies. Let's... Uh, Let's get naked before the Lord and just put everything out there. Uh, again, I have found the key to unraveling any lie or discovering great truth is to dig beneath the surface by asking kind of the five W's. The who, what, the when, and the why, and the how, right? Maybe that's an H there, but it's the basis of any good investigation. And believe me, I've done more than my fair share into ideas that seem completely outrageous at first glance. But you never know what you may discover once you start digging, and the results never cease to amaze when you uncover facts and truths that have been buried right under your nose. Come on, we've all heard the same scripture a thousand times over, and then all of a sudden we have new light and new revelation that that scripture brings, right? I always like to think of it this way. The Word of God is like a long, long math equation, Right, And so you start off learning addition and subtraction. And the parts of the equation that have addition and subtraction make sense to you. right? Because that's what you know. Then you learn multiplication and division. And all of a sudden, the addition plus the multiplication and the division put together now kind of form a different picture. And then you start learning pre-calculus. And you start learning square roots. And you start learning all these things. And all of a sudden, it starts to make a bigger, broader picture and has more depth and more meaning because you're coming to more revelation and knowledge that interpret other things in the Word of God. So the same way that we kind of escalate through math and learning the steps is the same way in the Word of God. Even though you may read the same Scripture, but now because you have other light, it brings light back to this same Scripture. And gives you more meaning. Not that that meaning was never there. It's just that you didn't see that part yet. Make sense? All right. All right. Yes. Makes sense to Courtney. All right. <laughs> uh, there has been much truth hidden and buried right under our feet. Our adversary, the devil, has been hard at work piling lie on top of lie on top of lie to bury the truth. Notice the devil is not called by God the father of war. Or the father of death. It's called the father of lies. His preeminent and most <laughs> tact, tactic thing that he does is lie and deceit. It's to obscure the truth from us. So who is willing to grab a shovel with me tonight and put in some hard labor to uncover these long lost treasures, these secrets of ancient knowledge, and understand the truth? Amen. All right. At the end of the day, let's let God's word be the final say on any matter, for he's the author of all truth. All right, that's my 
prequel for <laughs> for what I'm going to get into. <laughs> Tonight's not going to be the most controversial night, but uh, it's a precursor. <laughs> it's going to wet uh, the feet here and the things I'm going to be talking about later that kind of will put your head on tilt. So tonight will be a little, little easier night, but still some things you probably haven't heard of. So... All right, we're going to start here in Genesis 1, 1 through 2. And let me tell you, there's a lot in these first two verses. So <laughs> we are going to dive in and dive in deep. So Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. All right, so we're going to clarify a few things here, uh, things I want you to notice. Notice first off, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, when was that? How many years ago? A thousand years, six thousand years, a million years? Well, We'll leave that alone for right now, but we'll just call that the dateless past because there seems to be a gap from Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 because I'm going to get in a little bit here because it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. It goes on to clarify later in Genesis, just a couple verses down, that's talking about deep waters. All right. Uh, so... We got darkness, we got voidness, and we got dark, deep waters. I don't know about you, but I've kind of heard something like that before. I don't know about you, but that sounds like uh, times of judgment. Right? I talked about in the last days, when the judgment comes, he's going to darken the skies, and the light will no longer give light. And we look in the days of Noah, what was the flooding a result of? Of judgment. It was a sign of judgment, Right? But yeah, right here in Genesis 1-2, we already have a flooded, dark, <laughs> void, and formless earth. Do you think he made it that way? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, let's get into uh, earth real quick. What's the definition? Well, if you look uh, in Genesis 1-10, right, a couple verses down, it says, And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. So right there in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and dry land. But yet in verse 2, we have a flooded earth. And later it talks about how these waters were over the mountains. It's very deep and dark. You say, well, well what happened? What transpired between 1.1 and 1.2? Well, we're going to get into it. Uh, so one of the other things I want you to notice, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens, plural. Notice the pluralness of the word heavens. In Scripture, we kind of find three different versions of the word heaven. So this is where uh, Paul talks about uh, being caught up to the third heaven, right? And where that taken, that takes him to the throne. Well, if the third heaven is the highest point, the throne of God, where the kingdom of God is, where the holy city of God is, 
Well, you can guess the other two are going to be at a lower state. And so uh, I have it listed for those that are following along in the sheet here. The third heaven is the kingdom realm, the holy city of heaven where God resides on, on his throne. 2 Corinthians 12, 2 says, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Isaiah 66, 1 says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. This is God talking. Uh, Revelation 21, 2 says, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So it's important when you're reading scripture to determine which heaven are they talking about? Because there are three different heavens in Scripture. Uh, the second heaven is the firmament, the place of the stars, the sun, and the moon. Right in Genesis 1.8, which we'll be getting to, says, And God called the firmament heaven. Now, next month is when I'm going to get into the firmament, because the firmament's a big deal. <laughs> I'm going to be spending a lot, the whole, the whole night, uh, the firmament and what that implies and what that means, because many have not understood. I did not grow up understanding what that meant. Uh, so, but again, next month. Uh, Genesis 15, 5 says, and, uh, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. This is when he was talking to Abraham uh, about the promise of his seed. And he said, Look to the stars of heaven. So now we have a heaven that's in the star area. Yeah, Genesis twenty two seventeen, 17. Uh, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven. Same thing. Isaiah thirteen ten. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. Again, we have the heavens referring to the place of the stars. Isaiah fourteen thirteen. I will send into heaven. This is a kind of a uh, what was in Lucifer's heart. Uh, what God is saying was in Lucifer's heart. I will send into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So we'll be getting, a, we'll be diving a bunch into that scripture soon because it's very interesting how you know many of us think that Lucifer was already in heaven, but if he has ascend into heaven above the stars, which is the second heaven, that must mean he's coming from the first. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I know, let that wrap around your mind for a second here. <laughs> but again, we'll get into that a little later. Right now we're just kind of going over to the three heavens. Uh, and then we have the first heaven, which is the clouds or the atmosphere. Psalm 77, 17 through 18. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. The voice of thy thunder was in the heaven. The lightnings lightened the world. Here we have, again, the first heaven being in the clouds, this time instead of in the stars or in the throne. Isaiah 55.10 says, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth. So we got the snow coming down from heaven. All right. So why in verse 1 does he call dry land earth? In verse 2, the earth is in a flooded judge state. Darkness is over the face of the deep. The earth is without form and void. Is this how he created it? No, he created dry land. Yet in verse 2, it's no longer dry land. So we're going to read Isaiah 45, 18 says, For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who has established it. Listen to this. He says, Who did not create it in vain, who formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is no other. 
All right, this is very interesting because in Genesis 1-2, we have a vain, formless, void earth. But yet in Isaiah 45, this is God talking. He says, I did not create it vain or formless. I created it to be inhabited. Well, this tells us something drastic happened here. It went from being inhabitable to being vain and formless and judged. So God says he created dry land, not in vain, but to be inhabited. Uh, let's see here. So if we read on to Psalms 104, 5 through 7, uh, verse 5, it says, Who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should be not removed forever? Thou coverest it with the deep, as with a garment. Notice this deep is going to refer to the deep in Genesis 1-2. Thou coverest the earth with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled. At the voice of thy thunder they hastened away. Now, if you're thinking like me, you think, well, how do I know he's uh, not talking about uh, the flood of Noah in this scripture? Well, if you go turn over to Genesis, I'm not saying it right now, but if you turn over to Genesis 8 and just read when, the time, when it's time for the waters to recede, that no command or rebuke was given for the waters to recede. They receded naturally over the course of 150 days. At no point did God ever rebuke the waters or command them to recede. The only time we see the commandment for the waters to recede is in Genesis 1. Uh, let's see, do I have the verse on here? Let's see, let's go to Genesis 1 here. Uh, I think it starts in... What's that? Oh, okay. Yeah, so days two and three we have, uh, let's see. Yeah, and verse nine, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together under one place. Here we have God giving the command for the waters to be gathered together unto one place. Whereas in Genesis 8, the time of Noah's flood, we don't see any command given. All right, uh, let's turn to 2 Peter 3, 5 through 7. It says, For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the days of judgment and destruction of ungodly men.
Yeah, I think this is also referring to, again, pre-Noah, uh, because it says, uh, God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water, through which the world at that time was destroyed. You see, in Noah's time, the earth wasn't formed and being formed, right? That had already happened long ago, even though there, the things did get destroyed, but we weren't at a point of the earth uh, being formed by water. So that's why we can distinguish in here that this is that Second Peter 3 is also referring to the Genesis 1-2 flood. So, so here we have multiple scriptures confirming that are really referring back to the Genesis 1-2 flood and not the Noah flood, which we previously, most of us, all our minds just automatically go back to, oh, that's the flood of Noah they're talking about, when not realizing there's actually a flood in 1-2 currently in place. So, all right, let's see here. So God eventually makes a promise uh, not to flood the earth again. We know the sign of the rainbow. Uh, and to me, I believe it was, common, it was a common way for God to cleanse the earth of sin throughout the different ages. Water has always been, in Scripture, a cleansing form. We talk about water baptism, right? We go in the water to be fully immersed, to be cleansed of our sin and be brought up a new man. Why? Lord even does this, I think, with the earth through the different ages. You see, I don't, I'm not one who believes that God's been around for all eternity, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, now he just gets creative and just makes man, right? I mean, God's been doing stuff forever, but yet all we kind of know of is just our time frame, our space, right? Because there's a time even for angels and things that... They, they had to go through this cycle, too, of those that would follow after God and those that would not follow after God. See, I, think, I don't think angels are the only other beings that have gone through the same cycle of free moral agency. So I think the same cycle that we see man going through has been done with many other species of beings just like the angels. God creates perfect free moral agents. Eventually, some choose to obey, and others choose to separate and do their own thing. A grace period is given to repent and come back, but eventually the day of judgment comes, and all is cleansed and purified and judged. Rewards given for those who chose right, and punishment rewarded for those who have chosen evil. I don't believe man's story to be anything new. I believe it is the cycle of testing that every created free moral agent must endure and face. See, because in Scripture, we have not just angels, we have other weird <laughs> kind of creatures. We have creatures, cherubim. We have creatures with eyes all over the bodies. We have, you know, a face of a lion and a face of an eagle. We have all these weird being species. Where did they come from? When was their time? Maybe there's a whole race of them in heaven, and all we know is the ones that are at the throne, right? And all this could have taken place on the earth. We just don't really know that. We, just, we have a glimpse into the angels because I believe they're the ones that preceded us in this cycle. So, all right. So that's kind of my hypothesis for now. I want to say that's completely set in stone. 
but again, I kind of see that in the in what happens with the angels, and there's other spe- species and beings in heaven as well. And I'm sure they God has given them free moral agency too. So I think we've all gone through this same cycle, as you will. So, um, so I believe this last age that we are in before the new heaven, the new earth, will be cleansed with a spiritual flood of God's glory and a natural fire at the end of the millennium will purify the earth for the new. As in uh, 2 Peter 3, uh, 7 says, kept for the day of judgment and destruction, or right before that. Uh, But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. After the millennial reign of Christ, before the great, was it before? I think it might be after the great white throne judgment. God's going to burn this earth up, and he's going to purify it and start anew, new heavens and a new earth. So, all right. So if man is not yet on the scene yet, in verse 2, what transpired that the earth is now in the flooded, dark, void, judge state? Let me ask you this. How did Satan come to be in the garden just two chapters later in Genesis 3? Why is he there, and when did he get there? That's an important question. So if you think creation happened 6,000 years ago, right when man was being created, well, when was the fall of Lucifer? Why is he on the earth? When did he get there? How? Well, let's dig into the scripture because the scripture gives us pretty clear understanding of what happened with Lucifer and why he's there. Right, so we're going to read in Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, it says, this is uh, God talking, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. Now let me ask you, again, we have Lucifer, when did he fall? Before man, right? Because he's in a fallen state when he appears in the garden, right? With Adam. So... This already all happened pre, pre-garden, right? But yet it says he's cut down to the ground. You who weakened the nations. What nations is he referring to here in this? Because hmm. I don't believe the kingdom of heaven is divided into nations, right? I don't believe, again, Lucifer ascended up into heaven to overthrow God. There weren't nations in heaven that are ruled by God is like all-powerful, all almighty, king of kings, lord of lords in heavens, right? He doesn't have it divided into different nations with different kings ruling over. And Lucifer is not there either because he ascends into heaven above the stars. So he started out his journey in the first heaven here. So just it's interesting to think. So he fell before man was even created. It says in verse 13, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths 
of the pit. Yet we know Sheol and the pit to be in the earth, for those that don't know. So when it talks about when he gets cut down to the ground, he gets sent back down to where he was coming from, to sending up into heaven. He got cut right back down to the earth. And he weakened the nations. So I believe Lucifer was in a, a ruling class over nations in the earth. And not only deceived, you know, a third of the angels, but also possibly other beings. You know, who knows if there were another being of race that were on the earth as well. That's kind of hard to say. So I just kind of chew on that for a bit. <laughs> but don't worry, there's, there's more proof, not just uh, kind of one scripture here. We're going to keep going. So Jeremiah 4, 23 through 26. Jeremiah 4, 23 through 26. It says, I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void. All right, so what time frame is this? Well, the only time I remember the earth being without form and void is Genesis 1, 2. Right? And in the Noah's time, the earth wasn't without form and void, right? So this is directly relating to this Genesis 1, 1, 1, 2 period. And the heavens, they had no light. And I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled. And all the hills moved back and forth. There was a lot of earthquakes, a lot of rumblings going on. It was intense on the earth. And I beheld, and indeed there was no man and all the birds of the heaven had fled. I beheld, and indeed the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all its cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Now, reading this, you might have a question or two. and think, uh, this is a time when the earth was without form of void, uh, before, indeed, there was no man. And you're thinking... Well, but then it says the cities were broken down. Well, that doesn't quite compute. Well, if we go back to, the, again, the previous scripture, we kind of get the same notion that Lucifer's fall was before Adam and Eve and that he was ruling from a place on earth. And so here we have these cities that we find on the earth before man are even on the scene. Well, remember, because before the earth without form and void, man came after the voided earth. And also note, uh, the cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. I mean, Genesis 1-2 is a pretty fierce situation of judgment, right? In Noah's time, we see a flooded earth, right? In 1-2, we see a void earth. <laughs> we see a flooded earth. We see the lights darkened. I mean, it's like all of the judgments wrapped up in like to one event. I mean, it's a, <laughs> the hills are moving. I mean, there's like constant earthquakes going on. It's just, the earth is in a really chaotic state in one, two, like likes of which we haven't seen in all the other judgments that, you know, even the end days, you know, yeah, we're going to have some earthquakes. We're going to have the lights turned out but we're not going to have the flood and we're going to be, the whole earth's not going to be destroyed and turned void, right? So this is like really intense what's going on here. Uh, so, so here I see there are three periods of heaven and earth that the scripture talk about. 
the world that then was, which we find in 2 Peter 3, 6, which we just read a little bit ago, and Genesis 1, 1 through 2. Uh, the second period of the heavens and the earth is the heaven and the earth, which are now, which we find in 2 Peter 3, 7, and Genesis 1, 3 through 2 through 25. And the third period uh, is the new heavens and the new earth, which again is in 2 Peter 3.13, and Isaiah 65.17, and Isaiah 66.22-24, Revelations 21-22. So we all kind of know about the new heavens and the new earth that's coming. So the Lord kind of, the word distinguishes kind of three different periods of the earth and the heavens, which was, which currently is now, and the new heaven and the new earth. All right, so the term uh, certain Bible scholars reference as uh, these nations, you know, the ones uh, where the cities were broken down and the ones that uh, Lucifer weakened, uh, is what many scholars kind of call the pre-Adamite race. If you ever heard that term, this is kind of what they're referring to, this time before man was created when there were cities and nations that were broken down. Uh, in further chapters of the series, uh, we're going to talk about the pre-Adamic race. Uh, we'll eventually tie into kind of what is known as uh, the city of Atlantis and its destruction by a great flood. Um, so, just kind of recap, kind of the things of tonight. Uh, just as heaven and being with God is the reward for the righteous and eternal dwelling place for men that choose to obey God, I think the same to be true of angels and other beings God has created. The ones that have eternal residency are the ones who have been tried and tested, possibly on earth. Uh, so just kind of an interesting thought that kind of came to my mind today. You know, what if all the, na all the beings have had their testing period on earth in this cycle of floodings and judgments and allowing free moral agents to go through this uh, choice of choosing God or not choosing God and then whether to accept mercy or to turn away from God. And then ultimately, uh, those get rewarded for by going up to heaven and being with him forever. So just kind of an interesting thought. Um, so, yeah, so it's kind of a, kind of a short little uh, intro here, kind of what I wanted to get across, just kind of open your eyes to kind of things that you may not be used to hearing. Uh, but these things are going to come in uh, play next month when I'm talking about uh, the firmament. So chapter 2. Uh, the series is going to be called uh, The Firmament, The Lies of the Heliocentric Earth and Outer Space. So, <laughs> so you'll definitely want to tune in uh, because it's really going to go in uh, deep with these. So, so that's all I got for you tonight. Um, again, I encourage you to uh, get into the Word and reread these things for yourselves again and again. Again, I've done this over the past eight years looking at these scriptures, and as I dig in more and continually, you know, I've probably put over 1,500 hours into these topics that I'm going to be getting into because I like science. I'm a science guy. I'm a math guy. I like the facts. I like the truth. I like to know how it all works 
And so when I see discrepancies or everyone else telling me something different than what's in the Word, well, I need to be able to prove what the Word says and what it tells me. So we're going to put it under the microscope. So again, I encourage you, I didn't accept these things overnight. Uh, I probably... Probably took me about six months of watching YouTube videos night after night. Courtney can attest to this. Once I kind of got uh, what I'll be talking about next month, this question got raised of, I'll, I'll let you know next month, but the question, the question, I was like, no, nah, that can't be. That can't be. You know, surely I'm going to easily be able to debunk this, right? This should be easy. Well, the more I dove into it, the more I found the word was in line with it, and science was telling me the exact opposite. My government, NASA, and everybody else was telling me the exact opposite of what the word of God says over and over and over. And I had to come to this <laughs> decision point eventually down the road. You know, I started off 99% sure of what I knew, even though I had never put it on trial. It was pretty arrogant of me, really, to be honest. Anybody ever said, oh, yeah, I'm, a I'm, I'm sure of this, but yet they've never put it on trial? They've never questioned it. They've never dug into whether something is true or not. And here they are trying to tell you what's truth when you have someone else who's put in hundreds or thousands of hours on a topic and you want to tell them, oh, you're wrong, but yet you never put in any legwork to see if what you know is valid. That's how I was. I'm 99% sure this is the truth. Well, arrogant. I was arrogant because I was going off what I was taught. Well, let me know, time to open this up, time to dig deep, because there's a lot of truths in here that are not uh, user, not accepted in the world today, or even in the body of Christ that I'll be getting into next month. So, so join me next month on the uh, third Wednesday, and we're going to dive in again, so <laughs> it's going to be good. Um, I guess we better take